right, here we go. Welcome to episode 36 of the OG's podcast. There he is, Harry. What's going on, Harry? Uh, not too much. Just uh, anxious for a good weekend of football. Hopefully this uh, this storm uh, gets on out of here now that it's devastated part of Florida. Hopefully it won't uh, interfere with too much of, you know, the college or pro football stuff, you know, and uh, hopefully, you know, everybody's safe. Would you, if you, you've often said, Harry, you're going to move to Florida, would you yeah. ride out the storm or would you, would you evacuate? Well, I lived in Florida for one year and then I lived in the Carolinas for uh, six years. And during my time in the Carolinas at Wrightsville Beach, I sustained two direct hits wow. in the same summer, like one in June and then one in September. It was Bertha and then Fran. I think that was the order. Yeah, Bertha oh. B comes before F. So Bertha came in June. And that was, I think, a category three or four. And then the other one, Fran, was a three. Wow. And uh, I stayed uh, at my house, in my townhouse. and was so You wrote it out. Yeah, I wrote it out. Hurricane Bertha. Wow, Grateful Dead wrote a song about that hurricane. They did, huh? yeah. Bertha, don't you come around here anymore is what exactly. I was saying. Exactly right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> uh, Bruno's down there in Florida. How do you make out? Uh, I was, you know... On Twitter, he's tweeting about it, and you know, yesterday of course. I saw him minute by minute, Harry. Well, I don't know about minute by minute, but I did see some of the tweets where he was kind of bragging that, you know, we lost power, but my generator's humming, and you know, we still have, oh. you know, ice in the fridge or in the freezer and all this kind of crap. And then I texted him, uh, you know, this last night saying, you know, you guys are all right. And he got back to me this morning saying, you know, yeah, he ended up leaving and going to Delray Beach, which is on the Atlantic side of Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, near Fort Lauderdale area, and he's staying in some hotel motel or whatever. So he ended up leaving. Uh, that's wow. that's tells you how bad it must have been. Wow, Bruno, yeah. he he jumped ship and he jumped he, ship. He yep. abandoned the last man off the ship. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. He's outside with his BB gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to shoot the storm. Did you see the video? I don't know if it was real, if it was from this storm or or what a guy running out with an Eagles flag, like yeah. during the storm and holding the flag up with, <laughs> I think a guy I used to work with was the one that posted it. Uh, is that right? Brett Holcomb is down there. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Brett's running some radio estate. I think he was the original He's one. In that Gainesville, posted it. I think, isn't he? Exactly right. And, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, geez, this storm is crazy. Like looking at the aftermath of it, some of the video. Yeah. Like me and the old lady, if you recall last year, Harry went down to Sanibel Island. No, they got smacked. That was right where it hit. That that was point. That was the first point of land it hit up there. Right. And Sanibel is very flat. Right. It's you know, it's not very wide. There's just a causeway that goes in one road in, one mm -hmm. road out, and not everybody could get out. And it's just devastated. The lighthouse. There was a famous lighthouse there at the mm -hmm. end of Sanibel Island, destroyed. Yeah. And I'm if I was stuck on that island. I would have got on my hog, the moped, while I was there, Harry. Right. And rode it all the way up to Captiva and broke into one of those enormous homes that's up there that never gets used because rich people just buy things and don't use them. Is and I would have right? bunkered down in one of their palaces. Okay. Yeah. that's Huge that's, houses. Sounds, sounds like a smart move. We had, I remember, I can't remember if it was Bertha or Fran, but we had an eye party. When the eye passed over, it gets really nice and calm and there's, yep. you know, there's no wind and it's beautiful. Uh, so me and a couple of the nurses that I was working with when I was, this is down there. So we had a couple of nurses uh, from the surgical center 
uh they were partiers man and we got in the pool and it was topless it was a, it was insane wow yeah i'll never forget it the eye party uh, i believe it was for fran in september we had the eye party see i was in a i was in a category five on my honeymoon oh, back in yeah hurricane wilma in 2005 you were stranded right yeah we were in a stuck at a, a shelter for five right. days wow so we go we go me and my wife get married on october 16th or october 14th excuse me should know that jeez um <laughs> and we go down to riviera maya mexico one of the you know all inclusives sure and we're there three days so the third day we there's a storm it's a tropical depression brewing out there in the gulf and we're on the yucatan peninsula south of cancun mm -hmm. and we wake up on that third day we're eating breakfast and it was the fastest barometric drop in recorded history overnight wow it went from a tropical depression to a category five hurricane Whew on a beeline for Cozumel and the, and the Yucatan Peninsula. Wow. So we couldn't get out. Yeah. So the next morning they shipped us off to this, um, to a shelter, which it was in Cancun. So they took us North and it was an elementary school. Like a gym or something. But Harry, the elementary school, the schools down there aren't like ours. Like oh. You walk out the door of the classroom and you're outside mm. <laughs> and they don't have windows. They have like wood shutters. Okay. Because you're down there. It's always nice, right? Right, right, right. So we had to board up all this stuff and plastic it up when we got there. 52 people in our classroom sleeping on pool mats. Oof. And Oof. we were supposed to be there a day while the storm came over. They were going to bring us back. We were there five because the Did place was Did you have a destroyed. pillow? Yeah, we had a pillow. We had like sheets and a blanket, but uh -huh. a pool mat wow. is what we slept on. That's comfortable. And it got so if we had to go to the bathroom, we had to go outside. Wow. To go across the the like corridor out there and go to the bathrooms. Hmm. And when the storm was so bad, we had to hold up a sheet inside our room so people could go to the bathroom in a waste bucket oh. and we would throw it out the door. Oh. There was so much so debris. This is climbing. why you're so comfortable peeing in my driveway. This exactly was, this right. experience scarred you for the rest of your life. Yep. But now to go it to your sense. Yeah, to go to your point about the eye of the hurricane. So when the eye came, we had no communication. We're on flip phones back then in 05. Yeah. No, every, all the communications were gone. We thought it was over. Mm. We moved all the pool mats out to dry everything out because there was water in there and everything. Right. We brought this, we thought we were getting out of there. Then the back end came around, right. which right. was worse than the Sometimes front end. Sometimes that's worse. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we were, the last two days we slept in elementary school desks, you know, like this. Wow. It, it was unbelievable. Brutal. But, you know, when you get married, you always wonder what your significant other, how they're going to react if the shit hits the fan. Yeah. I found out on the honeymoon. Harry. Immediately. Wow. Yeah. That's that's an incredible story. I remember you telling me that when we worked together on radio, but you didn't yeah. get into as much of the detail. I didn't know about pulling up the sheets oh. and throwing the bucket out the window kind of stuff. Yeah, it was wow. brutal. That's traumatic. When we went back to the resort, there was like dead fish in your room because of all the flooding. Oh. It was just the resort was destroyed. And we went back we got hammered of course of course as soon as we got back and you know all the food that we were eating because we barely ate when we were there I'm, the only spanish i remember from the trip is la comida esta noche are we gonna have food tonight oh, when we were wow. in the shelter and because they ran out after the second day hmm. so we're back at the resort and while you could drink bottled water all the water purifications on the roof in mexico and the oh, roofs were all blown off oh wow. so they were cooking with unfiltered water oh so you'd eat and just run to the shitter oh 
So I came back. I mean, our feet were in all kinds of what we were on. I was on two different antibiotics and another medication when I got back. It was brutal. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. That was Hurricane Wilma. So the old lady got buckled? Oh, kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> Just totally buckled. It, but like the people, we met a bunch of people that we were in that room with, you know, that were yeah. on honeymoons as well. So we have that bond with them. We still keep in touch with a lot of them. Wow. Yeah. All over the country. Okay. Um, so hurricane, you know, oftentimes, Harry, a hurricane will ruin a name like yeah. Hurricane Katrina. Like you can't name your kid Katrina anymore. No. Uh, was that a real popular name anyway? Mm, Katrina and the Waves, maybe. Well, yeah, that's true. They had one one song, right? One hit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a nephew uh, named Ian. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know if this is going to, you know, is he going to catch flack at school now? Uh, because he's named after the hurricane. Yeah. Hmm. What I mean, most famous Ian's. You got Ian Anderson from Yes. That's a good one, right? That's John Anderson. Ian Anderson is Jethro Tull. Oh, Jethro Tull. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry he's about the that. he's the flute guy. Yeah, the singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you got who the guy in like the Lord of the Rings movie isn't that? Wasn't he an Ian? Ian, um, sure. the English guy, McClellan. Oh yeah, I know. Name. I can picture him, but I I don't know his name. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what other Ian's do we, well, you got, I, well, that's Ian's earring, but, um, you know, you know, actually is named Ian. Hmm. Now that I think about it is Ian Lemmy Kilmeister. Oh, really? See, his, I didn't yeah, know that was first, his first name. Yes. It's Ian. Okay. From Motorhead. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, you have Ian Asbury too. He was a singer of the cult. Oh yeah. Which is I used to like band. the cult. She sells, she sells sanctuary. Sanctuary. Yeah. That was, they they were pretty good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good luck to all the people down there in Florida because I don't know what that pickup and cleanup is going to be like, but massive. The flooding is stunning. Did you see the shark swimming through somebody's front, like the streets? Yeah, I did see that. The problem with me, and, you know, I'm such a cynic now, especially with social media, I don't know what's real. Like, yeah. I know that that was a real shark, but I don't know if that's from Fort Myers. You know, that could be from somewhere else. Yeah, and people that could have been posting. from somewhere in Africa. You could, could be. So, you, you know, unless I see it sourced, you know, from yeah. somebody that I trust, and it, that doesn't mean you have a blue check mark on Twitter because I don't trust half of those people either. But you know what I'm saying? Like, if it comes from a news agency with a, a news camera, you know, fo- photographer, then I'll buy it. Yeah, because you have a reporter there reporting on the storm, yeah. and that makes sense. It's well, how some... about the one that they're throwing around where the it looked like a Weather Channel guy or or something out in the middle of a street with the helmet on? And that's he, Jim Cantori. Well, it might have been him. Yeah, he's bracing yeah. for the wind. And then you see this guy in the background walking calmly to his car and getting in the car with no no problem at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What? Well, that that one guy from the Weather Channel got busted one year for embellishing a story. Yes. Mark Seidel. Is that who? Because it was? People, okay, he was like, like all down, like oh, oh my god, god this guy was... skateboarded b- behind him. Right? Is that the yeah. one? Well, somebody took video and there was like nothing really actually going on. <laughs> but I remember seeing a guy skateboarding behind one of these dudes once, and just right right it through the camera shot as yep. calm as could be, and this guy's making it look like he's got you know a hundred mile an hour winds. Like he's ready to blow away. Yeah, <laughs> this guy, other guy's like wind skateboarding. <laughs> oh, man. it's crazy. That Jim Cantore is a nut. He is a nut. Yeah, you I, know what got, would help you 
through a possible uh, hurricane is if you had some fudge. Oh, you yes. know what I mean? Imagine like opening up the cupboard and, and pulling out a big piece of fudge. I'd put that in my doomsday bunker, Harry. <laughs> That's what I'd To make sure about. I had it. Of course, the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and Ajis is the original Fudge Kitchen. It's a staple of the Jersey Shore. They've got six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge right in the store, right on the location, guaranteeing a delicious product to stop by. And so stop by and let them know that N4L sent you. And if you're able, to, uh, not able to visit in person, it's not a problem. They ship the fudge across the USA. Be sure to check them out at fudgekitchens.com, the original fudge kitchen, shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. Oh, that'll that'll get you through. Yeah, that, that's a great item to bunker yeah. down with. You, you got to have the necessities. Fudge would be one of them. Yeah. Obviously, water. Yeah, for vodka. You, maybe. Yeah, vodka and yeah, cran. Vodka. Oh, no, Diet Coke. <laughs> Uh, oh, you yeah, vodka, yeah, vodka diet, diet coke. coke now since i came back to the tito's and uh, stolic naya i'm doing diet coke and it's funny because i weighed myself yesterday every now and then i get on the scale and i was 192.2 mm. which is the lowest i've been probably since the 90s wow that's and gotta I, feel good Harry. it does and i immediately sent a text to to my wife saying hey 192.2 today and of course she's pissed off because I don't even try to lose weight and I'm losing weight yeah. and she tries to lose weight and struggles. And she said, what do you, what is this diet called that you're on the vodka and diet Coke diet? And I'm like, it's working. It, zero it's calories. Working. It's yeah. working. Those, those are not empty calories. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. Right. Right. That's great. Yep. Um, before we get to our guest on this episode, we have Kenny Albert coming on right. who, does everything under the sun by mm -hmm. the way um we'll get to him in a minute um we've been talking about reading some ratings and reviews that we've gotten on the on the podcast yeah and we we thank these people so let me give you some hair all right let's start out with a five-star review coming from big dave cm he says great to hear the boys back together and join the great dialogue between harry and jason and the content awesome Beautiful. show great Sounds We're good having now. dialogue in the living room. So, in other words, he's one of the 100,000 downloads over the past three months? Yes. Uh, probably more than one. He probably gets yeah. every episode. Wow. So you can subscribe to the show. The show's doing great. Um, Pots 85 says, another great show. Five-star review. Wow. Loving hearing Harry and Jason together. Sports and behind-the-scenes talk. Betting knowledge, too. <laughs> How about Bob from Brimmar? Not Bob from Glenmore. No. I love that guy. I wonder if he's still around. He had some health issues. Hi, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what, didn't he? Wasn't he from Tennessee too originally, or something? Yeah, originally he was Bob from Tennessee. Then he moved to Glenmore, and then I right. think he went back to Tennessee. Oh, okay. He was a good man. I met him at one of the fan fest things. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he he liked his whiskey. Uh huh. He was a whiskey drinker. Right. Um, yeah. Bob says uh, sports talk on Censor. Great podcast. Love hearing behind the scenes stories from WI Pay. And the fanatic Thor M says, need more than this is music to my ears. Best duo ever and off the rails in an instant. <laughs> Love true. the impersonations. I'm usually laughing at my desk at work and people look at me like I'm a nut and not like that acorn hair. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, nice. He threw some shot at you there for the, yeah. uh, the rolled ankle. No, but it's great though, that people remember all this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. They remember, I don't know how they remember it. I know. I don't People come up to you all the time, like, remember when you did? I'm like, no, I don't Man, remember. I, I, I kind of forgot that. Yeah. Uh, 
J O H Shelton says Maze and Mert are a fantastic duo. The Bruno interview had me crying. Keep up the good work, and as always, keep firing. Fantastic work. Yeah, I mean the five star re- reviews are all over the place. Keep firing. He's uh, he loves his uh, wagering on sports. Oh yeah, that guy. I've met him too. Um, he can play screams- golf. Oh, is that right? Yeah, pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Scream Seam says the best Philly sports duo. I've missed listening to these two guys. They were can't miss radio. Now they're can't miss podcasters. Hmm. Just listening to them talk about the old days of sports radio and going back and forth between stations without all the red tape. And I enjoyed the uh, segment with the best rock riffs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said just needs to be longer or a second weekly show because you I see? can't get enough. You see, see, they always want more. Yeah, and you that's know? exactly what were our plan. Leave right. you wanting more, not Exa- giving you more. That's what I always used to try to convey to the program director. Like mm-hmm. less is more. <laughs> he never got that. He wasn't buying it. It's not more. It's less. <laughs> Maybe I got the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh I got a call from him last night. I got to call him back. Did you? Uh, he called me right when I was getting ready to do an intermission at the Flyers game. So I, could, I can only imagine what he wants. Oh, my God. Uh, a Philly fan AFS says, uh, great pop, great pop, Bo. He says, Martinez with the impressions always has me dying, especially the old boss. <laughs> Got to get him in. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> it's great. There's, there's just good. Uh, how about this? Oh, Chip Reederson left, left us a review. Oh, yeah. nice. Love that guy. He said, sounding good, brothers. You a podcast man, Bo? Yeah. <laughs> Great to hear you guys back together, but um, and uh, free to talk about whatever you want to. It's, yeah, just a lot of great reviews. So leave Beautiful. us one. Leave, five, leave us a nice five star reading review. Nobody ripped us in the reviews. I'm surprised at that. I mean, feel free to because we will read those as well. Absolutely, right? Oh, without question. Yeah. All right, let's get to our guest uh, of honor in this episode, Harry. Um, he does great work on the NFL on Fox, on the NHL on TNT. He does the voice for the Rangers. He does NBA games. He does Olympic hockey. Yeah, he's done Olympic. He's done it all. And he's one of the big names in sports broadcasting. Our guest on this episode is Kenny Albert. You see him right there. If you're watching it visually, I see an NHL all-star jersey. Is that a Campbell Conference jersey back there? (laughs) You know, and only Kenny Albert. It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because last December, I was on a Zoom call with Brian Dayball, the current head coach of the New York Giants, and he was the offensive coordinator with Buffalo, and our crew was about to go up and do a Bills game. I had never met Brian before, never spoken with him, and he got on the Zoom just like you guys just did, and the first thing he said to me, is that a Campbell or Wales Conference jersey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he grew up in the Buffalo area, big hockey fan, so I gave him big props for uh, for bringing up the uh, conferences from the late 80s, early 90s. Back when hockey was, you know, great. You know, I watched it every night. Oh, there was some there was some high-scoring games back then. Oh, it was great, yeah. But you brought up Buffalo and, and the NFL. Like, give me your early thoughts here uh, three weeks in. Uh, if you would have asked people, you know, last weekend, maybe to say who's the two best teams in football, they would probably say Buffalo and maybe the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what are your thoughts on that through three three weeks? Right. I'm not sure how many people would have, would have expected the Dolphins and the Eagles to be the only 3-0 and teams at this point. Um, you know, to be honest, I don't get to see as much as you guys do from mm-hmm. around the league. I'm always at a game Sunday, and then I catch part of the Sunday night game on the plane when I get home, and then the Monday night game. Um, so I could really go in depth on the six teams that I've seen so far. But, um, 
no, there have been some great stories. Uh, like I said, I don't know how many people would have expected these two teams to be the only undefeated teams. A um, little bit of a surprise that the Raiders, I had their game on Sunday against the Titans, 0-3 playoff team a year ago. Uh, that was really a game both teams needed it badly. Tennessee and Las yeah. Vegas both started off 0-2. And our our crew uh, put up a graphic in the fourth quarter. Teams that start 1-2 and two have a 25% chance of making the playoffs based on numbers back over the last three decades. 0-3, it's only 2.5%. So. Oof. That was a huge game. Now it's it's a little different now because you have the extra regular season game, so the numbers are skewed a little bit. But uh, it's been an exciting start, exciting start to the season. I tell you, could uh, Scottsdale, Phoenix area, withstand a Buffalo Bills, Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl with those two fan bases? Ooh, Bills Mafia and Eagle fans, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> Maybe they get some attendance at a Coyotes game, huh? That's, that's well, a good only, point. Only about 5,000 seats to sell this year. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Make it Flyers and Sabres night uh, and get rid of Arizona and you'd sell it out. What does that week look like for you leading up to an NFL game, Kenny? Because you guys got to get downloaded on so much stuff. First of all, do they fly, do they fly you first class? Uh, they do, usually. Oh, okay. they Just do. making sure. If not, I was going to recommend to be your representation and get that taken care of in your contract. You know, but, when I apply for hockey broadcasts, we, we try to put Keith Jones in the last row, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> no, he's front of the, he's front of the plane guy. Always <laughs> nonstop talking too. But what does that week look like preparing for an NFL game? I mean, you've done them for so long. You flex so many different muscles doing all these different sports. So what does it look like for an NFL week? It's pretty comprehensive. Um, you know, the NFL from a broadcast standpoint is so much different than the other sports, hockey, basketball, baseball, because those teams play all the time. NHL and NBA teams play three or four games a week. Baseball teams play five or six games a week. The football broadcasts are all national on the TV side. There are no local broadcasts. So we might have two teams week 17 that we haven't seen all season. So you're really playing catch up. Uh, this week I have Carolina, Arizona down in Charlotte. So, during the week, Monday through Thursday, uh, we're on our own, doing our own prep, uh, watching both teams' previous games. I have a checklist that I go down. I read pretty much every article I could find from both cities. Uh, you prepare charts and statistics and go through materials that are sent by various sources. We get a big packet from each team from Fox with stats and notes from the NFL. So Monday through Thursday, you're looking through all that stuff. Um I'll fly this week, Thursday night, sometimes Friday morning, depending where we are. Um, the Panthers happen to be practicing real early on Friday, so I'll get in there Thursday night. We'll go to Carolina's practice Friday. We'll get to sit down with with Matt Rule and Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, and a couple of players, Baker Mayfield, and one of the players from the defensive side. And then Friday night we'll have a, a production dinner, uh, seven or eight of us, myself, Jonathan Vilma, Shannon Spakes, our sideline reporter, producer, director, and a couple of the other folks we work with. Saturday, we'll go see the visiting team in their hotel, and we'll sit down again with a coach, a coordinator, a couple of players. Then we have our own production meeting on Saturday night. So Jeez. it's probably 30 to 40 hours of work preparing for an NFL game. It doesn't feel like work to me. Uh, yes, there is a lot of prep and travel involved, but to me it's fun studying sports, watching games, reading about the teams. But, you know, everybody watching the game, the fans of those teams have watched all of their team's games. So you're playing catch-up during the week. Uh, Jonathan Vilma is watching a lot of film and 
we're all kind of comparing notes. So that that's a typical NFL week. I have a checklist I go through for each and every game. Um, now you're sprinkling hockey starting up. I do some basketball as well. Worked the Phillies game last week. So uh, you just have to be real organized and, and get the work done. I tend to get a lot done on flights and in taxis and Ubers, airports, hotel rooms. So I probably have it down to the, down to a science as far as the, the preparation, because I've been at it now for uh, just over three decades, which is, which is hard to believe. Yeah, that's amazing. That's what I was going to ask about, you know, once you, cause hockey's starting up right now. And of course you do the Rangers and I did some research on you and I found out that you did four games, four sports, different sports in four days. I got to know this. You did the, yeah. the Viking Steelers game with typical game, you know, on a Sunday. And then that night you did uh, ALCS work with the Yankees. Uh, I guess you were in, in the locker room, you know, doing interviews right. and so that forth. Was, that wasn't the play-by-play. That was post-game interviews. Right. And then the next day you did a Rangers game. And then the day after that, you did a Knicks game. I mean, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that, that's, happened, that's happened a couple of times in October when, when everything's going on at once. Wow. You know, as, we, as we speak now on a Tuesday – I'm actually coming off a stretch, although things were relatively quiet over the summer, uh, get a little bit of downtime, and now it's all starting up again. Actually did work three different sports the last five days. I had that Phillies-Brave game last Thursday, Titans-Raiders on Sunday, and then the Rangers-Islanders preseason game last night. So um, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy the variety. Uh, football and hockey are the sports that I work the most and have worked the most through the years. I do fill in on about 15 to 20 Knicks games per year and do some baseball on Fox as well. But mm-hmm. uh, it, it's a fun time of year. And, and and you're right, in October, there have been a couple of instances where it's four sports in the span of four or five days at times. Can you, the thing about it is, is the, the, the way to do a broadcast for all of those sports is completely different. It's a totally different rhythm and different, you know, it's not muscle memory because they're all, they all, require you to have a different approach and mindset and skill set going into it what's it like you know to try and shift gears and go okay i just did a hockey game and i went to overtime last night let me call let me here's the pitch you know that whole thing i mean that's not easy to do you know i guess i'm so used to it um and and there's also the factor of going back and forth hockey is really the only sport uh, where this applies for me personally going back and forth between tv and radio as well yeah. That might even be a bigger challenge than going back and forth between sports because I might do a hockey radio game on a Tuesday and a TV game on Wednesday, and it's a lot different. Uh, radio, you have to be so much more descriptive, give the time and the score way more often, whereas on TV, you can pull back, let your analysts come in more frequently. So, you know, that that's part of it as well. Um, to me, hockey is the easiest. Uh, most people think it would be the hardest because I would think it would be the hardest. Changes on the fly. Yeah, Maybe it's because I've done it now for 32 years. It's like riding a bike. Uh, basketball is similar. It's players going up and down the court, the ice. Uh, there are stoppages, more stoppages in basketball than hockey. Uh, football is the most rhythmic. It's one play, and then it's 20 or 25 seconds. It's another play, and then it's 20 or 25 seconds. Baseball, to me, is the most challenging because you have so much downtime mm-hmm. between pitches, between the ball getting put into play. Um but going back and forth between sports, I guess because I've done it for so long, uh, that's that's not too bad as far as the the level of the challenge. Um, but you just have to be organized. You know, I'm reading for hours and hours every day about the various teams and sports. You kind of have to keep your thoughts uh, pretty organized, like I said. And uh, 
watching all the games that I watch, uh, whether it's football, hockey, baseball, basketball, leading up to a telecast. Uh, um, it, you know, like I said, it takes a lot of time, but it's it's fun. I I'd say if, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Football has got to be uh, getting tougher with the quicker they've run these plays. You don't have as much time in between plays to sort of let your analysts, you know, describe what happened and, you know, a little back and forth. you got to go on to the next play. Right. That happens with certain teams and certain offenses. Probably not as much uh, for the play-by-play announcer as, like you said, for the analyst and the the producer and director. They they, they have a, might have a harder time getting replays in, for example, right. uh, between plays if the team goes quickly back up to the huddle. So probably affects the the replays and the analyst more so than it would me. Although we're it's a team effort, um, but you do get that with, with certain teams, certain offenses, and uh, it's just part of the fun that we have in in calling these games every week. It, it it's crazy to me that you're able to shift gears like that because I imagine, like you said, you know, in hockey and basketball, you, you're just calling it as you see it. There's so much flow to those sports and then the rigid nature of football and it's play and let the analyst do his thing and the whole thing. How's it been working with Jonathan Vilma? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, I, I might hold the record. I've worked with over 225 color analysts throughout my career. Oh my goodness. And I, I just finished up a book actually, which will come out about a year from now. And, uh, one of the chapters is about the various color analysts that I work with. I list all of them. Uh, he's a he's a really smart guy. Has a high football IQ. Uh, love hearing some of his stories about going back and forth with Peyton Manning in that Saints Colts Super Bowl when Jonathan was calling the defense and Peyton was the architect of the Colts offense. Um, he's done a really nice job as an analyst. It's his third year now. The first year was a challenge. It was the COVID year. We weren't even allowed to have meals together, have productive people in person. We were traveling to the games on our own. So never really got the opportunity to know each other very well. Last year, it was a bit of a hybrid. We were able to have meals and, and be in the same car. So uh, he's doing a great job. Um, had a terrific playing career with the Jets and the Saints and the University of Miami prior to that. We have Shannon Spake on the sidelines. Uh, in hockey, I got to work with Eddie Olchek and Keith Jones on Turner. Uh, Dave Maloney and Joe Micheletti on the Rangers, Walt Clyde Frazier on the Knicks. So the color analysts are such a big part of it. I look at myself as the traffic cop. Um, I try to set them up as often as possible and uh, really can't think of a color analyst that I did not enjoy working with throughout my career. Uh, I have a, a long list, Hall of Famers, champions in all the sports, and uh, they all bring a unique perspective to the telecasts. Will there be a chapter on Baldy? Baldy's one of my favorites. <laughs> He's one of his pinky too, Har. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> Worked four years with Baldy, uh, 2003 to 2006. We, we had a lot of fun. I could still picture Baldy uh, at my house here in North Jersey where I still live. Uh-huh. This was during the time we worked together, and my daughter was five at the time, five or six. Now she's 23, and she had a bunch of friends here, and, and Baldy was here for a July 4th party, and he was – he was playing the role of camp counselor up on the diving board, throwing all the kids into the pool. Then we had a basketball game in the driveway. So uh, he's definitely among my favorites of all the analysts that I ever worked with. And, yeah, bo- both of us but, have worked with him again, too. He's such a great football mind as well. I love watching his Baldy's breakdowns. And oh yeah, hearing him on 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 radio and television broadcasts. He's he's great. Any <laughs> good stories from uh, any games you did in Philadelphia? In Philadelphia, uh, many. Um, and I can remember uh, when I worked with Moose Johnston uh, at the link, many Eagles games when I was with Moose and, and Goose, the late Tony mm-hmm. Stokes, who was also one of my favorites. 
Um, one game, the fans right underneath the broadcast booth were giving it to Moose a little bit, you know, not necessarily uh, fans of the Cowboys in the stands at Eagles games. And they were kind of jokingly giving it to Moose during one of our commercial breaks. And uh, he shut them up pretty quickly by flashing his soup, one of his three Super Bowl rings. <laughs> Scoreboard. Uh, down, down, at, down at that section of fans. Um, a lot of memories. I mean, uh, the, the Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb years, I don't think the Eagles get enough credit for how good those teams were, getting to five championship games. And we called a lot of those regular season games. And it was a lot of fun to watch that team grow and, and mature. Um, you know, as far as baseball worked, a lot of Phillies games during their glory years. We once had Ryan Howard in the booth with us hmm. for a couple of minutes during an Eagles game. And that night, uh, he played in a playoff game right across the street. Fox was doing both games. So as part of the promotion, we had Ryan in the booth with us for a few innings. Um, one of our beloved crew members, Lou Tribbiani, who lived in the Philly area, passed away 10 years ago in 2012. And we had a couple of uh, fundraisers at Chickie and Pete's. Oh, yeah. With, with Moose and Goose and our whole crew. And we raised a lot of money for a scholarship and Lou's name. And so many of the local teams were were extremely gracious in donating uh, tickets and jerseys. We had a Claude Giroux jersey. Uh, Jay Wright donated front row seats and a locker room visit at a Villanova game, uh, among many other you know great items from the Eagles and all of the teams. So uh, unfortunately, Lou's passing led us to putting together those events, but they were memorable nights. Uh, as far as the Flyers, uh, I've worked so many games through the years. Um, I was calling the game on radio, and I've gone out to work with Brian Boucher for many years, and we always talk about the shootout, 2010, 2010. game 82. I was doing the Rangers radio broadcast, and it was the only year they missed the playoffs in a stretch of 12 years. They made an 11 out of 12, and that was the only year they missed. So that was uh, – Boucher always likes to joke that yeah, – I told him that that was game 82. So that was the last game of the regular season. Rangers were eliminated, and, and before I got in my car in the parking lot, my wife had already booked a trip to Florida. It was the kids' spring break. So because the Rangers missed the playoffs, we wound up going on, on vacation. So Bush likes to remind me that, that uh, you know, one of his biggest moments in the NHL was sending my family on vacation back in 2010. <laughs> was that Ole Jokinen on that save that Ole he made? Jokinen was the last shooter, yep. Yeah, and then Bush blew a tire trying to have a celebration there. He He's still pissed about that. Like he tried to get a good. Oh, believe, believe me, we remind him about that one too. Yeah, no doubt. Um, is there anything that, I mean, you've called Olympics, you've called just about everything under the sun, the four majors. You've called, I mean, so many different sports, so many different great players throughout the years, great partners. Is there anything that you haven't called that you want to call? Like, I think you'd be really good at Formula One, Kenny. So I put your resume in with Sky Sports. Uh, I, did but once, I did once uh, with Moose and Goose. We did the Richard Petty experience down in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Those guys actually drove the race car. I had never driven a stick shift before. So I, I sat in the passenger seat and a professional driver. It took me around three or four laps at 130, 140 miles per hour. So that's the extent of my racing experience. <laughs> is there anything that you want to call that you haven't called? You know, I've been real fortunate to be involved in, in all four uh, to different extents over the last 25, 30 years, uh, the four major sports in, in the U.S. Um, I have called some other sports. I've done some boxing, uh, worked some track and field and volleyball at the Olympics, uh, believe it or not, for NBC. Uh, curling looks like it might be fun. Um, I've, I've gone to curling matches at the Olympics. I 
really don't know much about it. It, it was somewhat confusing, but uh, uh, that's probably the only one I haven't called. Uh, to be honest, again, very fortunate that I've been involved, you know, football and baseball with Fox, um, hockey with with first the Capitals and then the Rangers, minor league days in Baltimore, uh, Fox, NBC, Turner, basketball with the Knicks. Um, you know, I think the goal for all of us is to call the biggest events, and I've been lucky enough to call uh, seven or eight Stanley Cup finals on radio, and then on the TV side two years ago when Tampa Bay beat Montreal, and then our crew with Eddie and Jonesy will have the Cup final this year for TNT, so really looking forward to that. Um, with Fox called five divisional playoff games, uh, again, with with Moose and Goose, Daryl Johnston and Tony Saragusa. I worked the international world feed of, of Super Bowl 46. So I have had the opportunity to work oh, that's cool. one Super Bowl, the international feed. I mean, that would obviously be the goal for any sports play-by-play announcer would be to call a Super Bowl on, on network TV in the United States. I've had the opportunity, like I said, on the world feed. So that would that would obviously uh, be a goal and a, and a lifetime thrill uh, to continue to call the Stanley Cup final every other year. Uh, with Turner, we have it every Odd year, ESPN has it on the even-numbered years. So, um, again, just very fortunate to be involved in, in so many big events. You mentioned Olympics. Uh, my first Olympics back in 2002, believe it or not, I got the call a week before. Doc Emmerich's dog fell ill. And mm. Doc's wife um, have, have a number of dogs, horses. They love animals. And Doc did not want to leave his wife home for three weeks uh, with, with, the, with the sick dog, believe it or mm. not. And that's how I... Wound up calling hockey at the 2002 Winter Olympics, and now it's six Winter Olympics later, two Summer Olympics. So uh, those have been a lot of fun as well. Were there any challenges for you uh, pursuing the same line of work as such a famous father? You know, it's a good question. I I get that once in a while. I didn't look at it as a challenge. Uh, Maybe other people would. Um, I didn't feel pressure. Maybe others would. I was never forced to go into the family business. I just loved it. Uh, when I was five or six, I received a tape recorder from my parents, and I started announcing games into the recorder. And when I was old enough, I would bring it to various games at Madison Square Garden or Shea Stadium. And uh, was very lucky in high school when a small cable station came to my school, and I volunteered to announce the game and wound up working for them for three years and then opportunities in college and then the two years in Baltimore were uh, were huge. Uh, we, we were talking prior to getting started, and and Keith Jones actually was on our team. Hmm. My second year, 91-92, he finished up at Western Michigan, turned pro. Uh, I witnessed his first professional goal with the Baltimore Skipjacks, but I wouldn't trade those years in for anything. Um, yeah. Just the experience getting reps, 80 games a year, working in the team office, riding the bus with the players. Barry Trotz was my road roommate for two years. <laughs> Uh, Joel Quenville was on our team the first year. He had gotten wow. sent down by Washington at the end of his career. So I was riding the bus with, as it turned out, the second and third winning as head coaches in NHL history in Joel Quenville and Barry Trotz. Wow. So unbelievable learning experience. And um, I mentioned earlier, I'm writing a book. Um, it's called A Mic for All Seasons. And the I and Mike is a microphone. And I tell a lot of these stories uh, about the early days in the minor leagues and travel tales and anecdotes about color analysts. So uh, uh, it brought back a lot of great memories. When's the book coming out? About a year from now. About a year. Yep. About a year. Okay. It's a long process with the editors and the publishers, but you have uh, 200 plus partners. A lot of partners. uh, (laughs) 
Jonesy was nice enough to write a blurb. Um, he didn't write it. You know that, right? You uh, may have dictated. He probably spoke it and somebody dictated it for him. Any secrets? Have you uh, read his book? It's like a third grade reading book. I, I did read, uh, written by John Bucci-Gras and, and Jonesy. I did read his book um, in preparation uh, for, for writing mine. So, uh, <laughs> it the, the, was... problem was, the problem was I had already heard most of the stories. So it was yeah. somewhat but it, it was, uh, he's got some great ones. So his book was your inspiration. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> A hockey book done right, Harry. I had to go one. Uh, page, I had to go one page longer than Jonesy. Yeah, <laughs> his. There's a lot of pictures in his. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you work all the different sports, so you deal with all the different athletes, and you know the cultures of the sports. They're all vastly different. The only reason I still do hockey, Kenny, 16 years later, and I'm still doing the games, is because the guys are so easy to deal with and they're so great. You know, what's the differences in the guys you deal? With? I'm not going to ask you to pick your favorite because I know it's hockey, but um, you know, what's the differences in the guys and, and how you deal with, you know, around the locker room and all that? You know, the hockey players historically uh, have had that tremendous reputation. And a lot of it was their upbringing, whether in Canada or in small towns in Europe. Um, but, but I'll have to admit, guys, uh, you know, we go in. It's been 29 years uh, broadcasting NFL games. And, and we have these meetings with the players and coaches on Fridays and Saturdays. And I could probably count on one hand. Uh, the ones that we did not enjoy spending time with. Now, uh, you know, some of it might be a, a result of, uh, you know, the quarterbacks and and some of the other key players, they do it every week. So they're kind of used to it, but uh, it, it's been overall a, a pretty positive experience. Uh, and I, I write about this in the book, but one of the best ever was Brett Favre. He would mm. sit there for 45 minutes to an hour, uh, never acted as if he had to be somewhere else or, you know, never, never looking at his watch. He would sit there and tell stories about hunting and fishing and his kids and uh, growing up in Mississippi. And, um, you know, a lot of it wasn't necessarily information you could use on the air, but uh, he, he was tremendous. Um, guys like Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, uh, they seem to have a photographic memory. Uh, just listening to them talk about games they played in and uh, plays they were involved in. Um, you know, all, all, most of the quarterbacks are great because, again, they do it polished just about every week. They're polished. Um, you know, I remember the first ever game, it was the Rams and Cardinals back in 1994, and I was 26. My partner, Ron Pitts, was in his early 30s, and we walked into a meeting with, uh, you know, 60 something year old Chuck Knox, and he was kind of looking at us like, uh, you know, who are these guys? <laughs> so after about 10 minutes, I think he was done, but. Buddy Ryan, we, we met with that weekend. And again, it was intimidating. I'm 26 yeah. with Buddy Ryan, and we have to sit in a room and ask him questions. You know, now now it's flipped. Now I'm older than a lot of these head coaches. So, right. you know, I've, I've kind of run through the gamut. You, you brought up the Mannings. Uh, have you seen their uh, broadcast, simulcast of the Monday night games? And what do you think yeah, of I that love, kind of broadcast? I love, I love the Manning cast. I watched most of them last year. Uh, watched the first one this year. Got home late last night after a hockey game, so I didn't see it. Uh, during the Giants-Cowboys game. If you're a fan of one of the teams, you're probably uh, going to watch the traditional telecast with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. But if you're neutral, um, you know, I would think the Manning cast, it's very entertaining, number one, but I learned so much about football. You hear mm -hmm. their thought process and what goes into each and every play. So uh, not that I want to see play-by-play -play announcers lose jobs at all, uh, because that's not the case, but 
as a secondary broadcast, I'm a big yeah. fan of the Manning cast. So you think there's room for that? You know, with I do, I yeah, do. There okay. are so many, you know, there are so many options for folks these days. Whether you're a, you know, a youngster or 75 years of age, you, you have you have traditional television, but you have all the apps and the computer and the iPad or your phone, and you could just you can watch you know 500 different things uh, within seconds. So. Hmm. It's another option for people out there, and uh, I don't think it's going away. We've seen it in some other sports during the college football national championship game. They've had uh, additional telecasts. We've seen it uh, during some of the other pro sports as well, the the Michael K. A-Rod telecast on ESPN, Sunday Night Baseball. So I, I think there's definitely a place for it along with the traditional telecast. Yeah, you still need – I think you need the, uh, the traditional, you know, Right, the Manning, the Manning sometimes might talk through a play or two. They're not necessarily yeah, focused right. on each and every play. Yeah, it's a commentary. Uh, it's an interesting. I I enjoy it as well. It's when I'm not heavily invested. I think right. it's it's fun to watch. Right. And those you're two are great. Watch, you're probably watching the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Those two, like even Eli Manning has a personality. I don't know if you saw the Penn State thing. It's he did, developing. It, you right know, for our eyes. When we, when we would meet with him as a player, and I probably did forty of his games through the years. Um, he was always cordial and very nice uh, when we would meet with him, but you never really saw the personality uh, like we would with Peyton. Mm -hmm. But we always heard from ex-teammates and others around the team that he had a great personality in the locker room and that he was one yeah. of the biggest pranksters and jokesters. And now that the career is over, uh, you know, that's come out. He, he definitely, I'm sure, felt like he had a persona that he had to keep with as a player, as the quarterback of the New York Giants. And, uh, now that he's retired, we get to see all the other good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Chad Powers, I think the guy's name yeah, was. Yeah, it was funny on. as hell. Yeah, Hilarious. you're going to be with two of my favorites this week, though. I used to do the Temple games during the Matt Rule era, and Phil Snow and Matt Rule are are two of my favorite guys in sports. They're they're great to talk to. Yeah. Uh, Phil Snow, I know Jonathan Vilma loves uh, the meetings we've had with Phil Snow. Um, I always like to bring up uh, to Matt Rule something about. New York because he grew up mm -hmm. uh, before moving to state college. Um, he grew up on, on Roosevelt Island in New York. Um, and he would tell, tell stories about taking three subways and a bus to get to a football field for practice mm -hmm. as a youngster. So I always like to, you know, throw a little New York, uh, uh, get a, get a little New York anecdote from, from coach rule. Um, look forward to seeing him this week. Uh, our, our good mutual friend, Colin Thompson, yeah, all over the weekend, and yeah. obviously played for Coach Rule uh, previously, and now yeah. uh, back with the Panthers as well. Yeah, he's a great guy. Last thing for you, Kenny. You know, of the four majors: NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB. Who's the kind of the the guy for you? The best that that you've ever watched? Like in the NFL, is it a guy like uh, you know Al Michaels? Who who's the creme de la creme play by play announcer for each of the majors, in your opinion? Oh wow! I thought you were talking about players, and I was. That's about what to, I thought. I was no, about to no. Gretzky and, and and some of the others. <laughs> yeah, that would have been easy. From a play-by-play -play standpoint, um, I think in the NFL you have to go with Al Michaels. He, he's still, still at at the highest level, even even at his age. And uh, I've gotten to spend a little time around him. Uh, Eddie Olchek and I had a had a great dinner with with Al and another mutual friend of ours last year in LA. And that was really the first time I spent extended time. Yeah, he's a big Al. Kings fan. 
and he's a big Kings fan, big hockey fan, and the stories yeah. were flowing for about three hours. So um, I think in hockey, you know, there are so many, but Doc Emmerich, uh, you know, just retired a couple of years ago, and uh, I had the great opportunity to be a colleague of his at NBC. Um, you know, I don't want to leave anybody else out, but if I'm if I'm going with one, uh, you know, am I, am I allowed to mention family members here or not? Absolutely. You know, because I think in, in basketball, um, my father is certainly considered by many to be, yeah. uh, you know, the voice of the NBA for. Yeah, that's for not number, a hot take. For no, a number of not. decades, you know, especially during the Chicago Bulls run in the 90s, the Knicks back in the 70s. Uh, but Mike Breen, who's another good friend and colleague, he's done more more NBA finals than anybody now. Hmm. And uh, he's the lead TV voice for the Knicks. I work about 20 games when he's away on national assignment. Um, and in baseball, it's got to be Vince Scully. Mm-hmm. Uh, just passed yeah. away recently. Uh, there are so many others. I mean, I enjoy watching uh, whether it's whether it's Mike Tirico or Ian Eagle, Joe Buck. Uh, two two men in a name, really. But uh, uh, the ones that you mentioned mm-hmm. are, are certainly among the best of all time in their respective sports. My favorite hockey guy was Gary Thorne. Oh yeah, yeah, well, he was great. He, he yeah. was, Damn, was so he when, I, when I when I when I filled in for Doc in two thousand two. As I referenced earlier, Gary Thorne was the other hockey announcer there for NBC. So mm. he did most of the men's, uh, the U.S. games, and I would do some of the other games. And then I did the women's gold medal game. He worked the men's. But uh, he was a top hockey voice on ESPN for a long time. In Philadelphia, we've had some great ones. Gene Hart, Jim Jackson yep. on the TV yep. side. Harry Callis. Harry Callis. <laughs> uh, Merrill Reese. So I, I was a big radio listener as a kid. We didn't have cable TV until I was about 17 or 18. So mm-hmm. we had nine pro teams in New York. Right. I was listening listening to all the games on the radio. Man. When did you get cable? Like the early 80s, like I did? Yeah. 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 It was like <laughs> I was about to move out to go to college, and we finally yeah. got cable. Yeah, it was a whole different world. Hey, Kenny, best of luck this weekend down in Carolina, and uh, great season's coming up for you. You're going to be busy, man. So I hope you uh, punch yeah, in that quality of- time clock with the family over the summer. Thanks for squeezing us in. Well, a lot of quality time over the summer and a lot of quality time with Jonesy coming up. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate it. Jason, Harry, uh, always great to be with you guys. And uh, hopefully we could do it again at some point during the season. Awesome. Sounds great good. stuff. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks, guys. I- I'd list off all the places he's worked, Harry. Oh, my God. But we'd be here for – it's another episode. It'd be like, Okay, so the NHL play-by-play voice on TNT, the Rangers. I mean, it's NFL on – I mean, it's insane. And we finally found a guy that has more partners than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but does he have more partners than Anthony? Well, that's true. Yeah, that's a good question. That's the uh-huh. co-host graveyard, which uh-huh. I have a headstone here. Yes, you do. <laughs> I got to tell you about Psalm Sleep, man, because if you're having trouble getting enough sleep at night, Psalm Sleep has you covered. The scientifically advanced Psalm Stack includes ingredients that are naturally found in your body, like GABA, magnesium, and melatonin. And sleep is the best form of recovery. And it has helped N4L founder and NFL tight end Colin Thompson take his game to the next level. It's quite simple. All you have to do is drink one serving just 30 minutes before bedtime, and your body's going to naturally calm itself down. Other sleep supplements, they're going to leave you groggy in the morning, but not some sleep. You're going to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. So make sure to check them out at GetSom.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-M.com. And use the code G's, J-E-E-Z, for 10% off your order. Get some sleep. Uh, special thanks to Kenny Albert for joining us on this episode of the AGs podcast. It, it, it's incredible all the work that he's done. And him and Mike Tarico, Harry. 
I'll tell you what, this Mike Tarico. Oh, yeah. They're two of the most versatile play-by-play broadcasters you will find. Yeah, they can do anything. They yeah, really can. I can't imagine how hard it is to go from doing a hockey game to doing a baseball game. Me either. And, it, and it's funny he said that, you know, that baseball is the toughest one to do. And I would have thought it would be hockey because there's so, it's so fast and guys mm-hmm. are coming on and off the ice all the time. I'm like, how does he know? Like, like how can he see the numbers? Like, do they have a guy yeah. there with it? Like, is he doing the game in, in binoculars no, in some you, of the arenas? You just got it. Like, play-by-play guys always complain about this. The Flyers outdoor game jerseys in Pittsburgh for that stadium series mm-hmm. that you could barely see the numbers right. because of the way the the colors of the jersey and they didn't have numbers on the shoulders too that helps uh-huh. the broadcaster right and you know you got to just hope that you got them all down hmm. I mean you see so many of the same teams repeatedly these preseason hockey games are like Tim Saunders has got to like know about 70 guys on the Flyers because they got all then, the young guys playing yeah, and then yeah. every team they're playing against. Oh man, yeah, it's tough. and some of these names, I'll tell you. Oh gosh, yeah, wow, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it's it's hard to do, but play by play guys love just calling what they see, not vamping. Right, right. You know, so right. that that's why I think Kenny enjoys that the most. Plus, hockey is the greatest sport in the world. So, well. Um, and I know he did some baseball, not a lot, but he does. He's done some baseball. And if, had I seen this documentary before we had him on, I would have asked him about if he ever did a Nolan Ryan game. So this because, documentary, tell people about this oh on Netflix. Huh? God, it's awesome. Yes, it's on Netflix. I just found it yesterday. I was, I was just, you know, popping on there to because I had two hours to kill, and I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just, you know, see what's on Netflix. And it showed up right, right on the on the first line. It called uh, facing. Nolan Oof, is the which name would not it. have been a, a, a bargain. No, it was not. And he did see the thing about it is a lot of stuff on Netflix and Amazon. When they're talking about someone doing a doc, the actual person isn't in it. Yeah. It, it, this is all Nolan Ryan and his wife and, you know, uh-huh. other people in his life. So this is, this is legit. It was so Pete Rose was in it. Um, uh, Dave Winfield. I mean, it was really cool. And they even had some good footage of the, uh, Astros Phillies series back in the 80s and you saw our, our guy Boa uh, in 1980 you know because they faced each other in the NLCS before they yeah. went on and uh, Phillies beat the Royals to win the World Series so it was really really cool and he has 51 major league baseball records 51 wow. and most will never be touched and, and you I, know why they won't be touched because we treat our pitchers like pussies now. Well, right. Yeah. But they don't make them like this guy anymore. I mean, no. you know, Roger Clemens, I think, lasted 23 seasons. This guy pitched for 27 seasons mm-hmm. and started out with the Mets. And the Mets scout that, that saw him pitching in Texas, in Alvin, Texas, said to the coach in high school, don't tell any other scouts about this kid. I want him. And mm-hmm. so, no. So he was really he went drafted lower because the Mets were the only team that really knew about him. So they take him and he comes in as a relief pitcher with some of the, you know, the, the amazing Mets in 69, when they went on mm-hmm. to win the world series, um, you know, Tom Seaver and Jerry Kuzman were on that staff. So wow. he was a relief pitcher and actually won him a game in the, uh, the NLCS that kind of got him known, yeah. but the, the Mets gave up on him and traded him to the California angels who were dog shit. Okay. Yep. They were not the Dodgers. He was like, Oh, I'm going to LA. I'm going to the Dodgers. No, he went to the angels. But the pitching coach there changed his delivery and and his career went, you know, to the moon. 
from there. Yeah. So it was that guy that kind of made Nolan Ryan this pitching coach. It's really interesting, man. He's got over 300 wins. Outs. Holy shit. Okay. And seven no hitters. Jeez. Over and a the, really long period of time. Right. Too. The last one, he was like 45 years old with yeah. the Texas Rangers. It's, it's, yeah. it's insane. And the guy, I mean, the, the, it's got to be innings pitch. He's got to be the most. Oh, it's it's got to be. Yeah, that's got to be one of them, too. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, and they'll never be touched because guys no. don't go, you don't throw like that, that many innings anymore. Right. I mean, he just laughs at the pitch count. Oh, I know. Totally. If the manager walked out to him and said, you're at 97 pitches, we're going to get you out of here, he'd say, fuck off. Yeah, well, he did do that. There's a, there's part of the documentary oh, on that. Because this guy, Tom House, was a pitching coach. Remember, he's the guy that works with NFL quarterbacks, too, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, to this day out in California. He was the pitching coach for the Texas Rangers when Bobby Valentine was the manager. And this was in the latter part of his career. And Valentine said, you go out and tell him he's coming out. And like Valentine didn't even want any part of it. And Valentine's like, I'm no fool. I'm not going to tell that guy anything. It was pretty good. Wow. That's incredible. I got to yeah. watch that. That it's sounds really, like a really good. good one. Highly recommend it. Yeah. yeah. The, the documentaries where the subject of the documentary is not in it. Yeah. You know, that, that's tough. Like some of them. A lot of can't. the music ones are like that. Yeah. Because they're past, you know, the right, guy. Right, right. Uh, like the Mike, there's a Michael Schumacher one on there, which is great, mm -hmm. but he's not in it because he, I mean, he's basically in a coma yeah. still from the skiing accident many years ago. Yeah. But that's a great one as well. I, I love good, a good sports documentary. Yeah. So I, I got to play for you this week, Harry, on the, uh, to get in. How about the formula one is returning this week to mm -hmm. Singapore okay. for the first time since 2019 true sign. The pandemic's over. They're back doing the, uh, Asian in Asia, Asian yeah. tour. So they're going to go to Singapore this week and Japan and Suzuka next week. Hmm. Uh, but Max Verstappen will win his sixth straight race this week in Singapore. What do you got to lay to bet him? Oh, I bet you the odds are, are pretty steep. I'll find out. Yeah, do you an NFL play? Uh, yeah, I kind of like um, the over in this Eagles game this week. 46 with the Jaguars. I think uh, both teams are going to be are going to be scoring in the 20s. So. Oh wow! I like I like forty six over. Is this, is this Eagles team one hundred percent legit? I, I didn't like the second half. I really well, didn't. Two in a row now, second yeah. half where they've really kind of gone to sleep. Um, but they get out to you know big leads. Give them credit, and the, you know the defense holds it. I you know I'm 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 waiting to see them play a really good team. I think Jacksonville's pretty good, but I'm, I'm sort of wait. I'm going to wait and hold judgment. I, I like what I see, but I'm not uh, totally jumping in with both feet yet. Okay, so yeah. but would, I mean, you got to love that first half from Jalen Hurts. Oh yeah, it was about as that's as, as good as he's ever played in the. Pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he looks really good. So, yep. um, Doug P coming to town. That'll be fun. Yeah. If, it, good drama. I saw our, our buddy Nick Hale tweet out that if you boo Doug P, you should be ejected from the stadium. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you, know, he you don't brought boo you a him. Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Right. No, what's the sense in booing the coach anyway? It's not like it's, you know, Jimmy Johnson. This guy right. won the only Super Bowl in the franchise's history. To right. me, you give him a standing O. I saw Doug was asked about that. And, uh, you know, he says he'd like to be cheered like Andy Reid was when he came back, I guess, his first time. But he said, you never know. <laughs> like, even he knows. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people still feel like he kind of was made the scapegoat. Yeah, for what was going on here, and yeah. I don't, you know, the guy won a Super Bowl, and he he's a good dude. So he won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. So, yeah, over you know, Brady. Was, 
Right. <laughs> that, that was in that was injected into the lineup late in the season. It's not like the, it was Carson got hurt for the year in week two. Like this yeah. was like week 13 or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was exactly that because um, they were what? Uh, 10, three of the two time. or something. Yeah. Or something like one. that. Yeah. So if Andy Reed, you know, got a standing ovation and lost to Belichick and Brady. Right. Certainly Doug could get a standing ovation for beating Belichick and Brady with a backup quarterback. Agreed. For Stappen, minus 165 this week, Harry. Well, that's not so bad. I thought no. it would be higher. He's well, that good. Yeah, I mean, they don't they don't put the odds on on these races because you got 20 other cars and there's a few that can win it. And there's always, you know, Singapore heading into turn one at the start. It's always <laughs> it's, accidents. Oh, yeah. that There's been a safety car at every single Singapore Grand Prix. So mm. oftentimes on the first lap. So, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, minus 165 for Max this weekend. So I'll take him. Minus 130 for the fastest lap as well. That car's a rocket ship. Yeah, it is. Red uh, Bull. Yes, the Red Bull Racing Team out of Milton right. Keynes in England. Uh, let's go to uh, Wealth Advisors, Harry, because uh, you can put your money on the game, but you'd be wiser to put it with Wealth Advisors. Well, yeah, you take your winnings from Verstappen uh, in Singapore and give it to Wealth Advisory Services because if you don't know them, you should. Paul, Dave, and their team have over 100 years of first-class service working with all different levels of investors across the country. There's something more powerful than luck or coincidence that helps bring financial independence. It's called planning. As professionals dedicated to continuing education and a high standard of ethics, they leave nothing to chance. Wealth Advisory Services coordinate with other trusted professionals to ensure seamless management of your assets with services that range from portfolio management, insurance, tax, estate, retirement planning, and beyond. Located in Bucks County, PA, and Cape May, New Jersey, WealthAdvisoryServices.com. It's a personalized approach to managing your wealth. There you go. Check it out. Make sure you also check out notforlongmedia.com. Great yeah. uh, content there. Colin Thompson show. You got Breaking all the bats. Podcast. Yeah, Breaking bats. Yeah. Um, two girls, one league. They got mm -hmm. great stuff there. So uh, check out all the content on Not For Long Media as well. And uh, that's episode 36, Harry. So we'll be back next week. We'll crank it up. We'll see if the Eagles go to 4-0. Yeah, next week though, Michael Bradley's going to join us, and we'll oh, talk really? about college football. Yeah, yeah. Oh, People have been requesting him. Yeah, he is a cannon. He comes yes. out like a cannon. <laughs> so, uh, well, Michael Bradley next week on episode thirty-seven. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, leave us uh, one of those five-star rating and reviews, and rip us in the process. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely read it. Yeah, and we'll talk to everybody next week on a brand new episode of the Odd Gs Podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Sitting on